Hey everybody, welcome back to We Are Podcast. This is The Act Out, Season 1, Episode 4, Lamar Jones. If this is your first time checking out the Podcast Network, please head over to your favorite podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, or iTunes, and give We Are Podcast Network a like. And if you get a chance, head over to our social media. All links can be found in the description. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at backslash We Are Podcast. And with that said, on to the podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Act Out. From open mic to the big stage, comedians tell us how stories were made. Y'all, today I have an amazing guest. I have a hilarious guest and I have somebody who I've watched his career grow over the last eight years that I've been working at the comedy club. How long have you been doing it? Uh, 13 years. 13 years. Y'all, we got Lamar Jones here with us. Gonna kill it on the podcast today. We're gonna have a great conversation. So 13 years in comedy. That's insane. Congratulations to that. We have a show coming up. It's gonna be Sunday, November 20th at 7.30. Lamar Jones and Friends. You gotta come check it out. It's gonna be great. But you are here, Lamar, to talk a little bit about yourself and uh, where you come from. So where were you born and raised? Well, I'm born and raised in New Orleans. I mean, I had a blast there, obviously, extremely multicultural. You know, I, my, my first love was music, believe it or not. Um, so I was a huge fan of music. I used to sing and stuff like that at school. I also, when I went to college, I went to college for music and I, I sung professional opera for a little bit. Wow. Really? Yeah. So th- so you don't have stage fright or you still have stage fright? I mean, like, be, uh, doing something like that, be insane. Um, a l- Not really. I mean, because even when I was doing... You know, I did plays, I did recitals. I had a music scholarship, so a lot of times I'd be in a choir, I'd sing solos and things of that nature. So I kind of got to, like, push to the stage early. But, I mean, every now and then you, you have, you know, little fears. But, yeah, my first love was music first. So so you were very young whenever you began this journey into music and yeah. being on the stage. How old do you think you were when that happened? You know what? I remember my first solo as a, a kid, I must have been like in the third grade. My first solo was, the, I remember the teacher's name. Her name was Miss Smith. My first solo was All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth. <laughs> <laughs> so from there, you know, I was singing in churches and things of that nature. So, you know, um, it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's insane. That's I, I had no idea that you you sang. Did that eventually lead to your comedy career, or how does that connect to this? So I was always funny, like in, within my family and my friends. But I was like strategically funny. I never was a person that was trying to be the class clown or the funniest person in a room. I always thought about how I wanted to be funny. Prior to trying to be funny, you know, I was like, okay, I want to make somebody laugh, but let me think about it. Mm-hmm. Let me let me invest in it, and and so that was one of the things. I'll tell you a, a crazy story. When I was in the fifth grade, I had a substitute teacher in one of my math class, and my teacher heard me talking, you know, making a joke in the back of the class, and it was like, oh, you think you're funny. <laughs> and he was like, uh, you want to do some stand-up? And I was like, no. sure. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, and so he was like, well, get in front of the class and do it. And so I got up and I stood in front of the class. And I can't remember, like, everything that I said. But it was like I mostly talked about me, you know. And I talked about me in a way of, you know, things that I experienced and viewed. And, and like, he started laughing like the kids in the class were laughing. And even though I was nervous, 
I still was thrilled to do it. But right. that was the only time I have done comedy. But I never had did comedy after that until like in my 30s. Like, you know, but I always had a knack for it. I love watching stand up and things like that. That's what I was going to ask. Did you have any influences? Did you even know what comedy was at that time? You know, I did. Unfortunately, like New Orleans never had a comedy club. So it, it was one of them cities where you didn't see comedy shows often or hear about it often. I found out about stand-up comedy on TV, you know, watching Richard Pryor, watching George Carlin. Uh, George was probably one of the ones where I was like, wow. Like, like I like Richard, but it was he didn't wow me. Like, yeah. George wowed me because of the things that he would say. Like, wow, you, you can say that? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, can, you, can, you can say that? And, and, like, he would, the way he would speak, and it wasn't necessarily from a perspective of he just being funny like that because he wasn't the funniest, but I just loved the freedom of speech that he had. So he was definitely one of the pioneers of that. And, you know, watching old classic comedy shows like and understanding you know the difference from the your def jam to what was that showcase that they used to have i can't remember but it was a tv show and if you were the funniest that night you got called back to do it, it was some old white guy i can't remember his name was but it, it was it was one of them shows where i'd be like oh, okay i get to see different versions of comedy like mm-hmm. i understand the difference between dry humor and those that are hygienic, like a Rodney Dangerfield versus someone like a Seinfeld is completely different from that to a Bernie Mac or you get what I mean? Yeah. There are different ranges of, of comedy. And I think as a lane, I realized the older I got into doing stand up that, hey, there might be a lane for me. I don't know what lane I'm going to be in, yeah. but <laughs> but 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 there might be a lane for me in regards to me expressing my art. Yeah, that sounds amazing because like you were saying, like having the culture of New Orleans, first of all, and then being diverse in that way and being able to be, see a little bit of everything, you can bring it in and kind of digest it. Mm-hmm. And so over time, I'm guessing that you, you enjoyed it, but you never thought about doing it until the music career kind of went away. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So here's the thing, like the entire time I've been funny, like even when when I went to college, you know, I used to host different events, but no one suggested at all that I should do stand up. It was just when I graduated from college, it was something about like, it was like, man, I got tired of doing odd jobs. <laughs> <laughs> and most people, you know, are just like me where you just having a job. You're like, I'm not happy with this yeah. at all. Like, this is not making me happy. Like, I need to do something and find something that I, I like. I went to an open mic. My first time doing stand-up was in Houston. And it's a comedy club. It no longer exists anymore. But I had the old comedy ritual right, where everybody, for their first time, they get drunk because yes. they're trying to get over the jitters. <laughs> <laughs> and and I realized, you know, the room was packed. So I had practiced, you know, prior to I had, you know, gone and watched different open mics. And so I kind of had familiarity of what I needed to do. I had rehearsed some stuff. So I knew not to go there blind with no material. Well, I mean, I didn't have material then, but I just (laughs) knew to come up with something, you know, and have it rehearsed. And so I did it. And mind you, I was in a room. I would say this. It was a predominantly white audience. And so I had never been in that situation before where I'm the only black guy there. And I was like, 
Oh God, am I going to be funny at all? You know, because that's the worry in the beginning of okay, can it translate to someone else, or am I talking just about me or about you know? And I just wanted to be funny, and so when I got up there, it was it was funny to them. So I was like, you know what, this is cool. Now, mind you, I was drunk as hell, (laughs) but I wasn't. You know, I wasn't too bad. I, I had maybe like five. Like glasses of Crown Royal, but I, you know, chased it down with a lot of water because I didn't want to get too messed up. But every comic, for the most part, they have that experience because it's like it's a nervous feeling. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a hell of a nervous feeling. Yeah, I was going to say uh, the first time I went up, I had to get drunk, as you said. And then <laughs> everyone says the same thing. These lights are so bright. Yeah, 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 <laughs> it's yeah. The same experience over and over again. Absolutely. You but, can always tell someone that's getting on stage for the first time. You're pacing back and forth. It's like you had that courage prior to, but when it's time to go up, you're like, oh, yeah. your mind is racing and all over the place. It, it's right. Comedy probably is the reason why my anxiety has yeah. you know, amped up a little bit. I mean, and then the adrenaline rush that you get when you come off stage is insane. Like, you could paint the entire club. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. It's better than any drug I've ever done, and I've done them all. Right. So so that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to have to cut that out. (laughs) But, no, the truth is, like, you crushed it the first time I take it. Or you think you did okay? I did okay. I think I did okay. But But it was enough to catch the bug. Yeah, yeah. It was enough to catch the bug. And and, and comedy, it's pretty much a drug. Like, you you know, once you get that feeling of a good laugh, I don't care who you are, you hook. Yeah. Like, it's you're addicted at that point. You're like, oh, wow, I want to do this again. And it's really, it's not about fame. It's, it's. You know, at least with me, it's it's not about oh well, I want to be the greatest comic of all time. You know, it's I want to make people feel good. You know, I want to uh, be in a place where people enjoy art. You know, and understand comedy and and understand me and you know. So that's always been my mission. Now, do you view comedy as an art form? Then I mean, some people oh, just yeah. look at it as I'm telling jokes and it's whatever, but you take it to the deeper level where you're. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Comedy is definitely a, an art form. I mean, because comedy, you're speaking and you're transforming energy from one person to the next. That's a hell of a skill set. That's yeah. a hell of a ability. It's no different from pastors. It's uh, motivational speakers, you know. But it's just more entertaining and more refreshing when you're able to make people laugh. Laughing is therapeutic. And when you have those people that can create a joke a specific way or to have that mindset to to think outside the box or have a certain amount of creativity to where it's like, wow, like this person, they're brilliant. I think a lot of times comedy gets overlooked and not appreciated as much as music is. But music a lot of times has an escape route. If you have a beautiful voice, it's just going to show. I mean, obviously, your voice can get better with voice coaching and things of that nature. But when you are a joke teller and you really have to translate that to people in a way to where they get it, they understand it, it connects and registers with them. A beautiful voice or a good voice, they don't have to translate it. It's just it's there. You, you just it's. They open their mouth and they sing, and it's a, it's no different from a person that plays. And obviously, you become better with more you know, the type of skill that you invest into it. You know whether you you know what type of instrument you're playing, obviously. But that gift is always there. But when you're just speaking, I mean, you've been on stage. It's just you on that stage. Yep. 
<laughs> and you and and whatever you're bringing, and whatever you, you better bringing. be prepared for it because uh, it's whatever's happening. There's a time limit, and you've got to get through it. So, mm-hmm. and it's it can be fun, it can be scary, it can be both combined, it can be whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, trust me, I have some horrified stories now. I've been bombed on stage <laughs> many a times. I've been booed, heckled. I, I, I'm going to ask about those in a second. Mm-hmm. What I want to ask about first is when was the first time you hosted, and what was that like? Oh, wow. So the first time I hosted, it was like a show for a buddy of mine. He had a private event. I must have been like two years, two and a half years in comedy. So I was going to open mics like every week. And literally, it took me two and a half years to get my first paid gig. I'll never forget that. And it was like, I, I may have gotten paid like 50 bucks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was so happy about the 50 bucks. Yeah. And I end up hosting this event. It was a good experience because the room was kind of tough, but they enjoyed me. And I was just hosting and I was able to make people laugh and people were coming up to me afterwards and was like, hey, you know, you, you, were, you were funny. You know, we didn't know who you were and, you know. And I, I appreciated that, you know. So that was my first time. My first time ever working with somebody, big name. I think it was Joe Torre. I did a guest Very spot. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I did a guest spot at the uh, Arlington Improv. Mm-hmm. And I was nervous. Man, I was <laughs> nervous. Because that was my first time really getting in front of an organized, paid crowd. You know, and I'm like, oh, wow. Like, you know, now people are watching and they don't know who I am. And you, you're jitters. You're nervous all over the place. Your nerves are all, all over the place. And it's you, you just want to be funny. But I, I really had a blast. That All of my experiences in comedy, I think, are good, even the bad ones. Enjoying this episode? Go check out Geekster, a dating and friends app for geeks that focuses on common interests as a way to make meaningful connections. Download today on the App Store or click the link in the description to find out more. Geekster, this is what happens when nerds collide. Geekster, available on iOS and Android. Well, let's talk about the bad ones. You said you bombed. You've been heckled. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know, like, how bad the heckling went, but, like, what is, like, one of those experiences like, one of the worst ones or, or the most interesting ones? Well, you know what? I did this one room i never forget. It was this room that they used to promote booing. Um, they promoted booing? Yeah, 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 yeah. They, it, and it, you knew this going in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You knew it going in. And it was like they had this Apollo type atmosphere, which which means it was predominantly black atmosphere. And and it was it was cool, like it was a good setup. It was packed. I knew I was gonna bomb. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was gonna bomb when I seen two hosts. I was like, wait a minute. I had been up plenty of open mics. I ain't never seen two hosts on stage at the same time. And I had friends that were there and everything. The way they introduced me, it's like this. They're like, coming to the stage, we don't know him. We never heard of him. It's a good chance we, he's probably going to bomb. <laughs> and I said to myself, yep, I'm going to bomb. I just know it. I just know it. And your heart is raging, right? You don't understand. Like, it's like your heart is like, you're damn near about to go outside your body. It's like, it's like, damn, I am, this is it. And you get there and the first joke I did went bad. (laughs) And all of a sudden this lady got up, boo, sit down, (laughs) 
sit down. <laughs> and what made it even worse because the DJ cut the music on and it was like these toy little bricks or whatever and they were throwing the, it was toy and they, no way yeah and they, they weren't hurting like uh there weren't bricks that hurt you or whatnot they, but this was the thing that they would do and it was like once they threw the bricks it was like you had to get off stage and what made it even worse because the lady that stood up and said, sit down. It was like I had to walk past her no. while she said, and she kept saying it the entire time following me, sit down. Sit, 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 sit your <laughs> down. Oh my God, that is horrible and awesome at the same time. What a yeah. great experience. Yeah. Like sometimes when you have a bad experience, they can still be a good experience. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, how much did that make you grow in that moment too, where you were just like, Okay, I failed here, or I did bad, or whatever you want to call it. You know, comedy is failure training. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Every time you fail, you get better. And, like, when you fall, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm sensitive. Like, if for two or three days, I really feel that. You know what I mean? Of course. Man, listen. All that night, I did not sleep yeah. at all. Like, it was, like, my friends were laughing. I didn't really have, like, that support system. And people don't understand what bombing feels like. Oh, it's horrible. It is horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. Horrible. It's a, like a part of you dies. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. And, and what makes it even worse is when you bomb and people are laughing and then they went up and roasted me at the same time. So oh, it was. <laughs> That's the worst. And then, like, if it's a place where you have to show up again next week. Oh, and my then God. And you're just like. You're like, ah, can I do this? You know, yeah. I've got to build up the confidence. And it's such a weird thing because within comedy communities, we're known for busting balls. Mm -hmm. And you know that if you fail, your friends, they'll be a little bit like kind about it, but a lot of bit like, hey, you really screwed up and really kissed you. Right. It's ridiculous. But that's part of the fun of it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you, every comedian needs to go through that. Yeah. You need to be able to experience what bombing is like, being heckled is like. Because if you've never experienced it, you've never really done comedy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's scary. It, it's, it, but it's exhilarating at the same time. But like oh, yeah. I said, the way you beat yourself up over it, mm -hmm. it's crazy. So when you finally got to feature and then headline, what was that like the first time you headlined a show? The first time I headlined a show, it was a heck of a feeling, you know. It made me really appreciate the journey of stand-up. I think my first time was at this spot. It was this old comedy club in Garland. And a guy, a good buddy of mine, was like, hey, man, would you like to do a weekend? And I was like, cool. And the room was small. It seated like 75. And that was a good room. You know, it's still a good room. You know, as far as a good size, as far as intimate uh, room for is a lot of comics. And I literally, I did about an hour each show. And I had a blast. You know, it was the first time when I was like, you know what, I can do it. Because it's levels. Being a host doesn't mean you can feature. Being a feature doesn't mean you can you can do 45 to an hour. It takes a lot of time, a lot of preparation. Even now, from a perspective of, you know, the years I've been doing it in, like, you still have to mentally prepare to make sure that, hey, listen, I, I, I got everything I need for this show tonight. And so I really appreciated that experience. Yeah. Well, I always ask this because it's, I'm always curious because everyone handles it differently. How about check drop? I was a server for many, many years. So check drop, I know for comedians, can kill the room. Just kills the, you know, the atmosphere. It takes all the steam out of it. How do you handle that? Like, 
Uh, you know what? Sometimes just address the elephant in the room, and depending on what what type of atmosphere is going on, because sometimes if it is loud or disturbing, it's it's better to just improvise. Sometimes it may not be as bad, but I do think like you can tell from the energy of a crowd if you need to address anything. And I've watched comedians outside of myself like when a check is dropped, like if if there's a good story or a good joke that's going on. They're not about to stop. It has to be something terribly wrong doing the check drop for a massive amount of crowd to be like, whoa, wait a minute. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I'll listen to you in a second. Yeah, yeah. I got to deal with this yeah, check. I got a $2,000 bill. <laughs> <laughs> but to be honest with you, what's worse than the check drop is when them placing the order. Oh, yeah? I know. Oh, my God. Because people are so loud doing placing the order. It's like, listen, you could be right there by the stage. You're trying to tell a joke. You, you got people sitting in, and you might have in the middle of your joke, I want two crown and cokes, <laughs> okay, two crown and cokes, beer. <laughs> and so in, in addition to that, like, it's like usually when it's that bill, it's they drop it, and you might have one, too, they'll whisper because they don't want to just loudly dispute, you know, talk about their issues with the bill. Right. So it's, it's low, but ordering it's way more chaotic for yeah. me you know if i've seen than the actual bill so i want to ask about your writing process everyone's writing process is different do you use a book do you just wait till things come to you do you write daily what, what is your process oh uh, you know what i use a book i write daily but i would say for me outside of just writing it's making sure that i have it structured in regards to me bringing it on stage at least that's for me so in other words, if I write some ideas, just because I wrote this idea, that doesn't mean, oh, I'm going to try it. I need to figure out and have it processed in my head, in my mind, of how I want to say this, how I want to prepare this, how I want to, because it's get me in the frame of mind of, okay, this might be a part of my show. This might be a part of my act. I need to present it the best way as possible. And so I would say that's the style and approach I normally would take, but I normally write I would say four times out the week. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you're working like all the time on this stuff. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. And when you're writing, I don't just write from a perspective of, you know, what I think is funny. You know, I can write from if I'm upset, if there's something good, something bad, something I've seen that just might be interesting. And just write. And I think comics in general, getting in a habit of writing, you know, is just it's helpful. Just to say, hey, listen, I just want to just write some stuff. You may not even use that. Right. But the more you get in the habit of writing, the more your creative juices flow. And then also helping with reading. You know, it helps me out my creativity uh, when I read. So I read a lot and I write a lot. So that helps me. So you kind of feed that hunger and then you go back and go, I've got inspiration from here. Let's see what I can create over here. And uh, oh, I apologize. I lost my train of thought. I was just listening and like thinking, like, why do I not write more? <laughs> I need to be writing every day. It's one of those things, though. Comics are great procrastinators. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, oh, and my so God. It, it really comes down to discipline, just discipline with anything. Listen, so. comic stand-up comedy is by far the best 
job slash hardest job you ever have. Yeah, there's no guidebook. There's, no. Like, no one can train you in it. They can tell you what they think. Yeah. But it's it, literally, there's no path that no. has been taken that would be the same as another path that was taken. Absolutely. And it's kind of all over the place. The other thing is, in today's time in particular, what's more challenging for stand-up comedy, because now you have to have social media followers. Yep. So it's like, now, outside of you building this art, you becoming better at building a skill set, you have to understand marketing and all that. So it's like, wait a minute, I got to go to college yes. as well. I got to get, <laughs> I, I got to get a, a certification in marketing brand. And it's like, you know, if you've never tapped in that industry before of understanding what marketing and all of those things are, a lot of times, especially when you're older and everybody's not rich in stand-up comedy. There's, I mean, they're comics. Just like myself, I've been doing it years and years and years and older. And they don't have that, you know, financial breakthrough that they were like. So they still have real life responsibilities. And then the lifestyle of comedy is also terrible. I mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, poor, poor eating habits, mm. terrible drinking, loss of sleep, stress, anxiety. I mean, depression, you name it, drugs. It's a lot of things that happen in, in stand-up comedy. And that could be just at open mics. So you could just, so you <laughs> No, you're right, because that's what it is. Yeah. And you can point out the people for yeah, each other. Yeah, yeah. Like. yeah. <laughs> See, that guy right there is on heroin. <laughs> it's crazy, too, because I've noticed over the years working that the people that do the best are the people who just go home. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds crazy and it sounds boring. But if you look at it like a job, like that's what you gotta look at. It. Now it can be party sometimes, mm-hmm. but some of the best comedians and the long lasting comedians, like Arsenio Hall, he just goes home. Mm-hmm. He's just done and he's gone. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But I do like the party animal comedians too. Like they're fun. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah. They're a lot of fun, especially the, when they got the big group of people and uh, across the board. Like you said, there's no path. You know what I mean? Like it's all different for everyone. I, I want to ask, what is the weirdest experience you've ever had on stage? Um. I would say one of the weirdest experiences I've had is when I did a show and it was like when I think I let my emotions take over. I got angry at a a crowd that was I was hosting. I believe I was hosting for Miss Pat and this crowd came in late, extremely late. It was like a table of like 30 of them and they get there loud talking not only are they loud talking, they're having conversations amongst themselves. So everybody <laughs> sees 30 people coming towards the front of the stage. The show, we're literally like 30 minutes into the show. And it's like you're trying to push through the joke. And it's almost like you got to address the elephant in the room. And, then, you know, I started speaking. And what happened was they had basically the family started like fighting each other. What? Yeah, yeah. The family started fighting each other. And at the same time, I'm still on stage. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. And so, you know, finally, after all of this calms down, right, people getting, you know, drugged out, you know, the comedy club, you know, it's. It's angry, you know, you know, it's a lot of yelling and screaming. You know, some of the people in the audience were, you know, were leaving. So they had some people left. It it wasn't a packed room that night either, but it was, it was like we had like maybe like 20 people left. Oh, wow. Right. And so I'm still there. Yeah. 
I'm standing there while all of this is happening and I still have to host. And so it's like after all of that, I was like, well, the other day I brought some shoes and it was like, it was like, it's like I don't even know what to transition to. Like, <laughs> it's like you know you don't even know what to say about how about the game last night wasn't that a good game everyone wants to talk about what just happened absolutely and that's great that's great oh man were you roasting them as they were getting pulled out or were you leaving it alone i was you know i was leaving it alone because at the time i'm inexperienced you know i you know i didn't have much you know that much experience so it was more of oh man i don't i don't know if i need to leave yeah should or I wait? Should I wait? <laughs> Am I getting paid enough to stay here? Yeah. I don't know what is this about to turn into. Yeah. Because, you know, you feed off the energy of the crowd. You oh, know yeah. I mean? So if the crowd is a roaring beast like that, then it's going to be terrifying. So afterwards, you feel like you saved it or did it kind of just, it was already done? And No, it was, it, it you know, it went fine. Yeah. Um, the other comics, and they end up doing well but it was definitely an awkward moment. And I, I have several awkward moments on stage. Because, like, in the audience, it's always unpredictable. Right. Like, the amount of people that would come to comedy shows drunk, high, angry. Yeah. I've literally, I've been to a show, and this lady beat up her boyfriend. <laughs> At the show? At the show. Wow. Yeah, this guy literally took his girlfriend to this comedy show after he cheated on her <laughs> and tried to smooth things out. Yeah, that's a great place to smooth things out. <laughs> like, Sir. Especially if you end up talking to the comedian. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's like we are not licensed therapists, okay? No. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good chance you're going to get divorced. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an episode of Maury or Jerry Springer. Absolutely. Or oh, it's insane. People are crazy. That was such a great story. I just want to give you some accolades. I want you to know that as somebody who's watched you, like I said, over the last eight years, one of the coolest things is knowing that you're always going to crush it. So anytime you go on stage, you'll be like, oh, Lamar's about to go up there and just kill it. You know what I mean? And I never saw you bomb. I never saw you even waver a little bit. You always kill it every time. Oh, like, man, thanks, man. You're welcome. I was recording you the other day, and I was just like, this is amazing. This is great. So, like, it's just one of those things where I want you to know from our side, we see – the hard work you've put in and and when we appreciate you we really do thanks so much for comedians coming up like myself people who are just starting what advice would you have for them uh one i would say be patient invest in yourself in all facets uh when i mean by investing yourself the time uh time in, in regards to creativity time in regards to your health because comedy can be emotionally draining physically draining Invest in your well-being, the anxiety that builds up into comedy, the worry. And I can tell you from comics that I've been on the road with that make great money. And I know comics that make great money and they're still not happy. You get what I'm saying? Because the amount of things that they had to go through in order to get to where they were. And they almost like burnt out. Yeah. And so it's a lane for everybody. But certainly invest time in yourself, invest the time in your craft. Do whatever it takes to have a good space and be content and appreciative of where you are. You know, everybody's not going to be a superstar. Everybody's not going to make millions of dollars. 
regardless of what lane you decide to go, it's just, just, I mean, it's so different from anyone that has a business or going into a particular field. It's no guarantees, but there are good experiences out of this. There, there are good experiences of being on stage, being on the road, doing big shows, building good relationships, you name it. I mean, it's a ton of things that we can be appreciative of when it comes to comedy. I mean, because at the end of the day, you doing what you do is special. Everybody can't do it. You know, too much is given, much is required. And so, you know, that's what I would say to any comic, like, you know, invest in yourself, invest in your life. The reason why I say that, because the more and more I hear about comics passing, you know, and comics had lived rough lives, especially those that, you know, aren't financially stable and things of that nature, you know. Some may have been happy, some may not, but it's important because we have families, because we have people that we, you know, that we care about and people that care about us. That's why I would say invest in yourself. Yeah. Hey, everyone, it's just Doc jumping in here real quick to say thank you so much for checking out the podcast today. If you're enjoying it, head over to your favorite podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, or iTunes, and give We Are Podcast Network a like. And if you get a chance, head over to our social media. All links can be found in the description. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at backslash We Are Podcast. And with that, back to the podcast. It sounds like you're very grounded in that sense. A lot of people aren't because they want the rock and roll side of it. They want the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Party, yeah, party, yeah. party. And oh, yeah. Well, that can be fun. Like I said, there is going to be a certain point where you fall off a cliff. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, they, they want the money. And I'm to the point to where I realize, like, listen, let me get good. Let me be the best that I can be as far as on stage. And let me be happy about where I am and what I've done. And then... You know, I'll let, you know, God figure the rest out, yeah. you know, but I, <laughs> I, I'm not like, I, I don't have that energy in me, in me to be worrying about, oh man, such and such got a TV deal. <laughs> what about me? You know, or, you know, especially with social media, you know, when social media started becoming popular, a lot of comedians were stressed because they were like, oh, well, I've been doing this for such and such amount of years and why, why, why I can't get it. And I, I can't believe this person all of a sudden they, they headlining across the country. Hey, listen, even if you do what they do, it may be a possibility you can make it. It may be a possibility you may not make it, but it's when you say make it, you know, and I had a conversation with a buddy of mine. I was like, Hey, listen, you've done a lot. Be happy. Yeah. And you, you could have been a person that never gets booked. <laughs> right, right. And that's what it comes down to is what is your level of contentment within this? Because Absolutely. It's, it's crazy. And it, but at the same time, there's always luck, too. And I oh, yeah. is when hard work and timing finally meet. Absolutely. And then you never know it can blow up. It'll be big. Do you get starstruck still when you meet people? You know what? I don't. And part of the reason why I don't get starstruck because learning the ropes of – you know, comedy and watching my peers and understanding that, hey, listen, I'm not a groupie. I'm an artist. And part of it, too, I'm older. You know, maybe I'd be starstruck if I was in my 20s. I'm in my 40s now. So you know, <laughs> I, I, I got a kid. You know, I got responsibilities. I got health care. I, 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 <laughs> I don't give a damn about someone else's celebrity status. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I still have to pay my bills. And so 
it's it's not one of those things to where I'm not at this stage in my life of trying to impress other people. I, it's, all I'm trying to impress is the audience. But as far as celebrities, like, okay, I, I see them. That's cool. But and I understand, too, certain celebrities, they need space. Certain celebrities, it's overwhelming for them. And a lot of people don't put that in consideration. Right. And so that's another reason why, you know, I've had conversations with celebrities that you and I both know it and they don't like it. They don't, they don't like where they're constantly being, I wouldn't say harassed, but it's like where people are always in their face or they're always in the public eye, but they may have to do it. Well, the people become entitled and they, for some reason, think they have some kind of ownership over the personality mm-hmm. of the celebrity or mm-hmm. they're owed something like, mm-hmm. oh, I paid for your movie or I paid for your comedy special. Or, I paid mm-hmm. for your CD, CD, mm-hmm. like it's 1993. Uh, <laughs> but it's one of those things where it's, uh, you know, I gave you money in some sense and now you owe me. Oh, yeah. And then uh, that's one of the first things I noticed about comedians was. Most people are kind. I would say 90% of the people are kind within the business. There's there's that 10% that are just terrible. Mm-hmm. But they just are people, just like you and me. You know what yeah. I mean? And so they're going to have bad days. And so if I've had a bad interaction with a comedian here or there, I don't take it to heart. You know? Right. And, but for the most part, it's been positive. It's always been good. It's been great. So I don't worry too much about that. No. And and not just, not just that, to, to piggyback what you're saying, a lot of times people – in in general, invest too much into idolizing yes. celebrities, regardless if it's a comedy, it could be a TV, sports, where people really go overboard of worshiping like entertainers, like and, and it's like give these people a break. Like, <laughs> like I've literally, I I never forget one time when I was in college, there was this one famous singer that came in town, and we had a panel. She spoke at the panel. And do you know the lady went to use the restroom? There were people, there were women going in the restroom to try to get an autograph. They're like, wait a minute, this woman can't even take a dump <laughs> in peace because someone else idolized this person. Like, yeah. who told you to idolize her? Like, it's just okay to be a fan, but just have some self control. <laughs> yeah, well, everyone wants a piece of that. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. they all want a piece of greatness, and they feel like. If they can interact or if they can get a photo or, like you said, an autograph or whatever it is, they can take away a little bit of that fame. Right. You know what I mean? Which is kind of weird because it's changing now with mm-hmm. social media, the level of fame, you know, where people are at and things like that. But the thing is, usually people who blow up on social media don't have the talent to withstand it. They usually – it's too early. They haven't paid their dues. They haven't done 13 years in comedy. They don't know how to do it right. Right. And you'll see, like, they'll get booked for two or three years, but then – it falls off. Oh yeah, 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 so absolutely. You- and stand up—it's a different ball game. Social media—I've known a ton of comics that have built their social media, and they still ain't working like that. And not only that, I, I want to be at a space where—and when it goes to a stand-up comedy, it's where other stand-up comedy, other stand-up comics can say, "Hey, listen, I like this guy. I work with him. They're funny. I want to give him work." Or you build that relationship when your peers respect you. I think that goes further in your career because now it's like you're not someone where they can look at you and be like I don't, I don't know who the hell this is yeah and, and and not only that it's i would rather the respect for my talent not to say that i just want to be a guy that's you know you know mean to people or you know treat them in a negative light but i think when when comics when their talent is respected it gets more value because now 
you're looked at as an artist where versus those that just building relationships based off, oh, I'm trying to be friends with this person or I just want to be buddy, buddy. And, that, and that's fine. But when you're on that stage, that buddy, buddy system don't matter. <laughs> it don't matter who I've been on the road with. It doesn't matter who I may have uh, worked with. The audience don't care. You have to be able to perform. And the audience know the difference between a person that's good and a person that's not good. <laughs> I don't give a damn what audience it is. They know the difference between a quality show and a Okay. Yeah, I'm not. What was his name again? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. The whole journey of comedy, man, is it's a wonderful journey for me. You know, it's it's all been a learning experience. It's like you say, you you've been around and seen me, and I remember tons of years of me going to open mics week after week after week after week, and you know, I was just happy when I was just able to make a few people laugh. Uh, you know. And, you know, I, not to say that I'm doing arenas or anything like that, but it's, it, I, I say this to all comics, like, enjoy that process. I remember, you know, being, signing up for different open mics, and you sign up at five, the doors open at seven, <laughs> you, you, the doors open, your name is bumped down the list, uh, <laughs> you go up literally at two in the morning, mm-hmm. no one's there. And you get up and go to work and do the same thing the next day. Yeah. It's such a heavy time investment. Uh, Not only that monetary investment, too, because you got to drive there. You got to get there. Oh, my God. The amount of money you spend on food. Yeah. It's ridiculous. To be alive for five minutes, truly be up there and be doing your thing. It's totally worth it. And and the the, the worst thing about it we've all done is where you in a room and it's none but comics. (laughs) <laughs> you've it's the worst. <laughs> you've literally been there eight hours. Yeah. And nobody's there but comics. As soon as you get on stage, all the comics leave. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. Or or they heckle you, which oh, is yeah. also wonderful. Mm-hmm. Or they just, you know, it's just one of those things where it's 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 such a weird club to be part of, but it's a wonderful club to be part of. So like all the things people say about it like are great. But like you said, you touched on like there's a lot of pitfalls in it. Too. Oh yeah, so, oh yeah. So you got to stay away from that stuff and just focus on being funny. Yeah, that's the big thing. And, and then, you know, I want to say before we end, man, I would like to thank you, man, just for giving the opportunity to do this podcast, man. This is one of the, the best clubs out here in the country, man. To get out here and speak about the game we love, yeah. <laughs> the game of comedy, and our and our, our journeys and what it's about. I think it's definitely kudos to you because when you came up to me with the idea i was all for it and so you pushing forward to make it happen man much success to you well i appreciate it and hopefully this will continue to be an avenue for people to kind of take in like first of all learn about local comedians especially dfw and then also the advice 13 years worth of experience i mean like you said so many things here i'm like i never thought about that and like oh that's a great perspective you know so i really appreciate your time and thank you so much for being here we got to promote the show real quick it's going to be sunday november 20th at 7 30 p.m it's going to be an amazing show oh yeah yeah lamar jones just Running that, going to tear the roof off of this place. It's going to be crazy. What would you say to people to convince them to come out? First of all, you're going to have a good time. Get out and enjoy some laughs. I mean, it's a lot of different range of comedy that's going to be at a show. It won't be just myself. People are funny from different angles. And it's just a good place and time to laugh in general in life right now. 
And I think a lot of people need to understand that, hey, there's talent locally. You don't have to go to a mainstream comedy show because a lot of times we as local comics, we get overlooked Mm -hmm. because, oh, you don't have no social media comic. You you ain't funny yet. You on your way. You look comedy. (laughs) And, And they don't think maybe you may not be as polished or you may not be taken serious. And there are comics that are on that show that are polished, that are hilarious. And there are comics in the DFW area that are hilarious and invested in years and years upon years. And I think this will be a show to where people will be able to say, you know what? This is a story that relates to me or this is a, a topic that relates to me because you're going to have all type of topics and, and things that people are talking about that are going to relate to you. And none of the comics or offensive comics, then they're, they're not, you know, brutal comics. So it's, it's, it's going to be one of those shows where everybody can have a good time. I recommend everybody in the DFW area, <laughs> you know, to come on out. If we can sell this thing out, you know, uh, four or five times, that'll work. That would be amazing. That'd be perfect. I would love it. And, and you deserve it. I'm telling you this. Like I said, you're one of the best comedians in DFW, hands down. You always Thanks, kill man. it. You always bring a great show. We didn't even get into an amazing storyteller. Like some of your stories are just, you're like, how did that even happen? <laughs> it's ridiculous. But uh, Lamar, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Oh, man, no problem. All right, cool. And uh, y'all, we will see you on the next one thank you so much and there it is thank you again so much for checking out the podcast today if you enjoyed it head over to your favorite podcast app spotify stitcher podbean and itunes and give we are podcast network a like and if you've enjoyed this podcast you're going to love the other podcasts here on the we are podcast network we have We Are Bagoo, a video game podcast where we talk Atari to Steam and everything between. That's me and Dr. Ethan Eastwood breaking down all that video game lore and having such a good time. Heroes, Jeros, a Dungeons and Distractions side quest. Me and the boys were playing some D&D. You can start that one from Season 1, Episode 1. It's a blast the whole way through. And I hate being sober. Personal stories from epic people. I sit down with some of my favorite people of all time. We talk about their trials, their tribulations, and their journey this far. And finally, our new live video podcast, Camp Slash Horrorcast, where we're going to have a roundtable discussion about our favorite horror movies. That'll be available on Twitch and YouTube, streaming every Monday at 8 p.m. Check the links in the description to find out what movies we'll be watching. Also, check the links in the description for our social media. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at backslash we are podcast network. With that said, thank you so much for checking out the podcast today. Please remember to support local comedy in any way that you can. We'll see you next time.